Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax. Everything else, just let it fall by the wayside. And just be reminded that God loves you, that you're exactly where you need to be, that there's nothing for you to be ashamed of, that God has you in process. Now, there's a lot of times we do things that even that we should be ashamed of, but that's not who we are. And God never turns from us. And he never goes, wow, I didn't see that coming. That's one thing. God never has any surprises. But you and I do. We, we don't see things from his perspective. So we so often draw the wrong conclusions. And that really can cause us problems because we will continue making plans, making decisions, living our lives based on incorrect conclusions, wrong assumptions. For instance, if you think that God is going to judge you or reward you based on how many souls you won or how many Bibles you passed out or how much you donated or even how many, well, whatever effect you have on others. If that's what you believe, that's where you're going to put your energy. That's where you're going to put your devotion. That's where your treasure is going to be. And that can be a huge distraction from the restoration of your soul that God wants to do. And God is going, God is working on restoring your soul. He's the one doing that work. What we, what we have a tendency to do though is try to make our souls stronger. God is trying to is working. He's he's succeeding always. He is he wants your soul to fail at meeting its own needs. And if we think it's our job to meet our own needs, then we are going to run counter to what God is doing in our lives. Now he's always going to win. God is always going to be successful. But we can interfere by, and I'm not even sure whether it's delaying, I'm not sure, you know, we just don't understand. But it certainly keeps us from enjoying the rest and the peace and the joy and experiencing his love, even as we are in a transition period, the process of having our soul restored. 
because we don't understand. We have drawn conclusions based on misunderstanding, misunderstanding of the scriptures, misunderstanding of how we got the scriptures, where they came from, what their meaning is, what our soul is, what our job here is on this earth. You know, so many people think that whatever, when you die, whatever condition or state you are in seals your eternal fate. Now, I've, you know, I've challenged others and I challenge you to find the, the basis for that in the original, in the, in the original scriptural text. And it certainly does not line up with the heart of God. Now, you know, one of our struggles is, is you know, if you're anything like me, you've spent a lot of time in the scriptures and at times have been frustrated by trying to figure out what it means and how it applies and how come it doesn't work. How come if, you know, what is praying without ceasing and how, if you do that, how come people don't get healed or raised from the dead or fill in the blank? Why, you know, and we can go into all all the uh, misbeliefs that we have that are, again, we're trying to come up with the overall plan, the overall strategy, and we only have corner pieces of the map and maybe a couple pieces in the middle. And we try to figure out, okay, this is what the overall map looks like, but we only have six pieces out of a 1,000. And that's about the proportion of it. Now we can go look for reference points. This is one of the things we're kind of doing with learning about the supernatural realm. The supernatural realm is not going anywhere. At least from our standpoint. God created it. He can destroy it. He can vaporize it with a thought. He can do what he wants with it. It's, I don't think it's eternal. And neither is the, the natural realm. He created it. He can uncreate it. The spiritual realm is eternal. There's no beginning, no end. It was not created. It's, it's God's existence. Eternity is where God is. It's a description of his presence, eternity. And eternal simply describes anything that is part of him. And if you are a spirit being, you are eternal because you are a part of him. It describes you, eternal. Eternal life. We just put in the life to help us understand the, the magnitude and the meaning behind eternal. You are eternal, your spirit being. But you have a soul that's been separated from that eternal life and has a lot of bad habits and it will continue those bad habits including beliefs as long as they work so God is working to let those beliefs and actions and even your emotions fail 
You know, so we so often gauge how we're doing by how we feel. Oh, everything's going good, so we're all happy. Then we get a phone call. You know, something's, you know, uh, somebody wasn't isn't nice to us. Or we found out, you know, we had a, a bank error or, you know, fill in the blank. And we feel bad. We're the same person. We're in the same circumstance. Nothing's changed. But our feelings have. And so all of a sudden, we look at the world, our situation, God, through lying emotions. And our, and our mind, we, we, your mind cannot be trusted. Your will cannot be trusted. Your emotions cannot be trusted. Your spirit is the only thing that's trustworthy. Now, the, we're in the process of our soul being restored. And as that works, over time, we're, we're far, far away from it being anywhere near complete. But over time, your mind, will, and emotions become trustworthy, reliable, true. You know, Jesus called himself the truth, the way and the life, the truth. There is a reality. Most of the time our soul, mind, will, and emotions are making up. We make up our own reality. You know, we, we think about, okay, what is that person thinking about us? We think about the future. If I did this, how can I control that? This is what's going on over here. How, do I, how can I plan for the future? And then we dwell on the past. We blame ourselves. Why, you know, if I had just done this. You know, we label ourselves as failures. And since we, if we make one mistake, even though, again, with God, there's no such thing. But think of the weight of that. Of, of making a mistake so big that you can never overcome it. That God is not able to overcome it. And yet, how often do we do that? How often do we see our future and our present in terms of failures of our past. You know, I think of, of um, prisoners, uh, you, know, piece of, uh, felon, you know, people who have been convicted of significant crimes, murder or whatever, all around the world, but, you know, here in the United States, and they are sentenced to spend the rest of their lives in prison but they're innocent. Do they live as an innocent person? Or do they start to believe that somehow they deserve to be in prison? Is that the only way they can cope with being in prison, with facing being in prison for the rest of your life? Do you start to believe, yes, I, you know, I may not have done what I was accused of, but I've done this. We believe 
what we tell ourselves. That's where it came from. You know, and then we have our other enemies, including Satan. We have the world system who's always lying, that's always lying to us. And Satan's the father of lies. Now, I will say, of the two, of the world system and the devil, the world system is far more creative in its lies. The devil has very few lies, but it pushes those buttons with expertise. It's had a lot of time to practice, and it works really well. And our best defense against lying and against deception is just resting in God. Our best response to being depressed over failures or believing that that we'll never overcome our past because of uh, our failures in the past. So we can't enjoy our present. We have no hope for a future because of something in our past. Our best defense is, again, just being enjoying the presence of God. Because that's where truth is. And that's where we can live in the Spirit of God. Does that mean we don't, we're not involved in life? Absolutely not. It's just we don't get our reality, our truth, from what's going on around us. We don't believe the lies. We don't believe the half-truths. There's, you know, the, 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 en- the greatest enemy of getting anything done is thinking it has to be perfect. So we strive for being the perfect thing we think God wants us to be, rather than just be being with him. When we talk about Jesus Christ as our Savior, that's a relationship. It's not, you know, it's sort of like if you get married and you put the ring on the finger and sign the paperwork and then never talk to the other person. As if the marriage, as if the wedding was the marriage. Salvation is just the start of something. The start of relationship. The start of knowing God. Being known of Him. Of the change. Of the Hopefully having a lot of ups and as few as possible downs, but they're going to be there and accepting that. And not only that, but accepting that that's God's purpose. That's, his, that's what he intends. He doesn't want you to go through life with everything hunky-dory. Then you wouldn't need him. You'd never need to go to him because you were rejected. And your soul, there's not a person alive who doesn't need to have their soul restored. We'd all be hearing about that person if there was. Because it would be the, you know, the, 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 whatever the, the, it would usher in whatever, whatever's coming next. But every person alive 
and every person except for Christ and Adam and Eve have all had to have their souls restored. So we're not, we're, you know, we're nothing special. This is not like, oh, okay, we're not treading new ground. Now, generation to generation, God does reveal his secrets and his mysteries to the world, to different people groups, to individuals. And he does that as he chooses. When you think about the history that we know about, people, civilizations have been on this earth for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And we think, okay, we're supposed to accomplish X, Y, and Z in our own lifetimes. We're supposed to be perfected by God in our own lifetimes. I have enjoyed studying the Egyptian civilization and the, there were multiple periods, three major periods, where the Egyptians were actually ruled by Egyptians and enjoyed great prosperity and dominance. But in between those, there were periods of submission where somebody else was in control of Egypt and they had lost their identity and they had lost their their position in the world and in prominence. And those periods in between the periods where they were excelling were roughly around 250 years. And on, on each side there were thousands of years, thousands of years before then a 250-year period, thousands of years then a 250-year period, thousand years and that brings us to modern time. Well, that 250 years, that's about the time that the United States has been around. And longer than some other nations, not as long as some others. But think about how old you are, how many years you've been working on this. All that to say, God has been doing this for a long time. God has been working on this earth for a long time. He has, what's the phrase? He has the patience of a saint. Well, he created the saints and he gave us patience. We have it. We just don't exercise it very well because it's in our spirit. But we see things, we, we put ourselves into a plan that we have created. We've come up with a a to-do list in order to please God, in order to fulfill his purposes. The problem is is the to-do, we wrote it. God didn't. God, his to-do list is, come unto me, all you who labor, and I will give you rest. Not a, a not another to-do list. Not another more accurate to-do list. He never says, come on, try harder. 
in our relationship with him. He is far more interested in restoring our soul. And again, what do we do? We want to strengthen our soul. We want to control our minds, you know, and make sure, you know, we never feel negative thoughts, you know, negative emotions. And we want to make sure our behaviors all line up with what we think God wants. And yet all those things actually strengthen the power of our soul. And that resists God's movement to restore it. You know, God works in a certain area of our lives and he's all, you know, it's ready to be, you know, boom, reconnected, reconnected. Not connected for the first time, reconnected to where it's supposed to be, where the part of your spirit is waiting for that part of your soul to be reconnected to it. And we get in there and we strengthen it. We say, no, 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 no. I can do this. But so much is entangled with, and, and part of our world system is our, the so, social construct we're living with, we're dealing with. And that varies from time to time. There's pendulum swings, there's cycles. Some, you know, are far more difficult to live through. Yeah, but it's not, don't take it personal. God has each one of us here for a time and a season for for to achieve the same thing for each one of us again the restoration of our soul but we want to maintain control your another name for your soul is control now God graciously doesn't even Hold that against your soul. God loves your soul. He gave your soul to you as a gift. Your soul is precious to him. Your mind is precious to him. Your emotions are valuable. And he loves your emotions and your will, the, the things you choose to do, your actions, your the decisions you make. He loves your will. But your will, your mind and emotions, apart from being under the control and and life of your spirit, are just basically little children. They have no supervision. Your mind and your will and emotions just go about doing their own thing without life. That's not, it's not even something God needs to forgive because it's God's idea to begin with. So it's okay. Wherever you are, it's okay. This is from God. This is God's purpose for you wherever you are, your circumstances. What, and, and your past as well. Whatever decisions you made that you're struggling with. Or regrets. We've talked before about regrets and guilt. Now we ask, Lord, is there anything I can do to make things right? 
and we give ourselves time, and if we need to, to do that, we do it. But then we go, okay, I, I accept, I accept that this was meant to happen, that I had signed on to achieve this higher goal of restoration of my soul. I signed on to this mistake. But isn't it interesting that so often we don't see our successes, most of us. We, we stumble over our failures. And this is why one of the cycles that society goes through is kind of like what we're going through now. The, we could call it the reign of the victim. To be a victim is to embrace self-pity. And to seek control. It's one aspect of control over your soul. If you are a victim, you can't be held responsible. It's avoiding responsibility. Because it's out of your control. So you're either trying to get in control or you're trying to escape control. But we're right now in where everybody is on. We find ourselves by going through a list where we are victim and then who's victimizing us, and we attack them. They're the enemy. And we, but we don't do anything about being a victim. We, we almost boast and are proud about our, how much of a victim we are, about how many classes of victim can we be. But when you recognize that you are in process, that you are in your spirit. You already have all the eternal life you're ever going to get. You are a co-inheritor with Christ. You are a son of God. You are in Christ right now. You are in the kingdom. You have everything you need for life and godliness in your spirit. You can't accept that as truth and believe you are a victim. Now, here's the interesting part. That doesn't mean you're not a victim. That doesn't mean... People aren't out to get you. But that's not who you are. It's temporary. It's simply part of this world process, this path that we're all on together. So in the next couple weeks, at least, yeah, the next couple weeks, as the opportunity comes up, when you start to identify when you start feeling or hearing or being told that you don't have control over how you're treated. When people start putting you in a class, in a group, in a, a, um, a, a group, a label, where you're then told, okay, this 
group has been victimized in this way. And that's that's what we're hearing so much of in you know in the media uh, in conversations. This per, this group is better than that group. There's a, div, a true division going on. How do we overcome that? Well, we can't do that for the groups. But you can do that by saying, I am one with God, and I am not a victim. You are not a victim. Wherever you write, you're a son of God. How can you be a victim? A victim of who? Was Jesus a victim? Let's talk. Was Jesus a victim of his father? His father sent him to this earth to pay for the sins of all mankind, and then to raise him and us to be seated in heavenly places so that we could be restored. Now, he couldn't restore us. He couldn't be raised unless he was first crucified. If he had just seen himself as a victim on that cross and said, well, the heck with this, and got down from that cross, which he could have done, he never would have gone all the way through that process. Through his death, then his resurrection, then ascending to the right hand of the Father with us, taking us with him. He would not have been able to finish the task that his Father had sent him if he stopped, because he was truly a victim. He was innocent. He was not guilty of what he was accused. But he did not see himself as a victim. He saw himself on the pathway. He may not have known all the details, but he knew the end result. So for you and I, our end result is a restoration of our soul, that we would be one spirit, soul, and body. So just start the next couple weeks, when that starts creeping in, that you are in this group, that you are being victimized, that you can't fight back, you're, you're at their, somebody else's mercy, you don't have control, stop and go, I am on a path, and I am walking with God, and everything is under his control. And then enter into that rest, that oneness with him, and let him take it from there. So, Feel free to drop me a line at dianeattherainersclub.org. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.